Well, hello everybody. Glad you joined us today. Glad you joined us on social media. And uh, actually, we were, I was just talking to the congregation here, and we were talking about hair pieces. But, <laughs> but, so you weren't here in person, so you didn't get to get in on that. So anyway, so let's get let's get into the lesson for today. I wonder how many pastors went on social media this morning talking about a hairpiece. But I used to wear one years ago, but thank God I've been delivered from it. So anyway, hey, what I want to do is I want to start a, a, a series. I feel at the direction of the Lord and we'll run it for several weeks, maybe a months. We'll just see how long it goes on the lessons from the kings, lessons from the kings, the kings of the Old Testament. And uh, now this is not going to be the history of the kings because that would just take a long time. And uh, not the history of the kings, but lessons from the kings. We can get some fascinating lessons and some wonderful, wonderful things from their lives. And it's going to be a real practical series because we can learn so much from them Things they did that caused them to succeed in life and things that they did to cause them to fail in life. And, uh, and we can see what they did that was right and do those things and be blessed. And we can see the things that they did that was wrong and avoid those things and avoid the heartache that they had to go through. And so it'll be uh, lessons from the kings, not history of the kings. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get bogged down in a bunch of history, but, but some history will be necessary as we go to set up how they came to power and these sorts of things and kind of what was going on in the background. So there'll be a little history involved, um, and particularly in this first message to see how the kingship arose, you know, how the kingship arose. And so if you're going to be following along with me over the next weeks or months or whatever, however long we're on this, you can read First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles. Okay, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. All right, and uh, and that would be your reading assignment. Okay, um, now uh, on some of these kings, we could spend months on them, like David or Solomon, and uh, so we're just going to go as as. as as the Lord leads and as he directs and uh, some of them we'll spend a good deal of time on some of these kings and there's some of them we may not I may not say hardly anything about you know we'll just go as the Lord directs and uh, we won't be able to get everything in about every king you know to just take too long but we're going to get the highlights and the things like I said that that they did that uh, uh caused them to succeed and some of the things they did that caused them to fail. So anyway, with that said, how did we get to the kingship? How did it arise in Israel in the first place? Well, if you look at the Bible, the, you know, the Bible starts with the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, and we have Adam and Eve. And then as you come on down the process of time, you get to Noah and the flood. And then after Noah and the flood, you know, you have the, the nations descend down from Noah and his family. And the next thing you know, you're at the Tower of Babel, remember, where the languages were, were uh, the, the different languages came in. Remember that? And God uh, 
caused the confusion among them because they were building that tower, you know, and, and they were in one accord and nothing would be impossible to them. You see, it's powerful when you get people in agreement, you see. Anyway, God scrambled up the languages and that's where we got the different languages from and so forth at the Tower of Babel. Then after the Tower of Babel, you have Abram who became Abraham. You know, we're still in the book of Genesis and then Abraham, you get Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Jacob's name was changed, you know, to Israel. And then from Israel, you uh, uh, you get, uh, you know, his 12, the, the, you know, his sons and the 12 tribes of Israel. And then remember, one of his sons was Joseph. Remember that? And uh, he went into Egypt and, you know, he was sold into slavery and then wound up in Egypt. And remember, he rose to power in Egypt and as a result saved his brothers and so forth. But then in the process of time, a Pharaoh arose in Egypt that knew not uh, Joseph. Remember, the, the people of God were came there to Egypt to avoid that famine, you know, and Joseph was there and sustained them and all of that. But then the, the Pharaoh arose that knew not Joseph. And the next thing you know, we have Israel in Egyptian bondage. Remember that? And then God rose up a deliverer. Anybody know his name? It was Moses. And, uh, and then so you had Moses. And then think about Moses. You have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Pr pretty well all have to do... Well, actually, X, starting with X, you know, we talked about Genesis, but then in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you, that's pretty much about Moses, isn't it? You know, in the wilderness wanderings and all of that and headed for the promised land. And then after Moses, does anybody know who came up after Moses? It was Joshua and he took over for Moses, you know, after uh, uh, Moses died. And so you have Genesis then Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then Joshua. And then anybody remember what book comes after Joshua? You have the judges. And the judges were the military heroes or deliverers who led the nation of Israel against their enemies during the period between the death of Joshua and then the establishment of the kings. So I'm telling you, how did we get to the kingship? How did we get there? And so after Joshua, there was a period of about 400 years, more or less, where you had those military heroes or deliverers who led the nation of Israel against their enemies during the period between, the, between Joshua and then the, the kings. And remember Israel, they went through those cycles of sin. You know, they'd get into sin and then God would judge them and they'd get turned over to their enemies, you know, and then they'd repent and God would cause it. A, he'd raise up a judge, you know, to deliver them and so on and so forth. And Gideon, remember Gideon was a judge. Deborah, I believe, was a judge. Remember probably the most famous one, that strong man. What was his name? Samson. Remember that? So you had the judges. And uh, you actually had 12, 12 most lists will, will, uh, will list 12 judges. And then after, after you come out of the book of Judges, you get Eli, and he was a judge, and then uh, Samuel, Samuel, and he was a judge. And actually, Samuel was the last judge of Israel, and, uh, and, and there you have the beginning of the prophetic institution, you know, uh, where you see the, the prophets begin to come on the scene after Samuel, you know, the prophets of the Old Testament. And I've taught on the prophets several times over the years, but I've never taught on the kings, never have taught on the kings. And so uh, that's 
I think it's good to finally teach about the kings. Now, I've taught on different kings from time to time, you know, different lessons, but I've never done a series like I'm doing now. So I think this is going to be fascinating. But you have Samuel. He comes up at the end of the Judges, and uh, and then he institutes the prophetic, uh, brings about the prophetic institution, you know, in Israel. And uh, but But then actually with Samuel... Uh, he, he, he then, uh, God uses him then to anoint the first king. God uses him to anoint the first king. Now the thing you, so now we're to the kingship. So there you got a little history lesson of how we got from the book of Genesis to the kingship, you see. And, uh, but you need to know this. The kings were never God's perfect will for his people. Now you need to realize that. The kings were never God's perfect will for his people. God was supposed to be their king. You need to remember that. And if you would, go to Numbers 23, verse 21. Now, in Numbers 23, verse 21, remember when Balak, the king, I believe it was the king of the Moabites, wanted to curse the people of God, remember that? And he went and got Balaam who was a prophet of God, but he was uh, all messed up because of money and, and money had clouded him and so on and so forth. And we've talked about him in the past, but he went and got Balaam and, and, and he tried to get Balaam to curse God's people. But here's the thing. And much we could say about that, much we have said about it. But look at Numbers 23, 21. Look at what Balaam, he made a statement about God's people. And he says here, he has... As he's reporting to Balak, you know, the king and so forth. He has noticed he, God, has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. Of course, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. But look at this. The Lord, his God, is with him. Watch this. And the shout of a king is among them. The shout of a, of a king is among them. The shout of a king is among them. And this is a good thing right here. This is a good thing because their king was God. And, and as long as they were shouting, the shout of a king was among them, as long as God was their king, uh, notice he observed no iniquity in them, no wickedness in them, and they could not be cursed, and nothing could come against them. It's a good thing to have the shout of a king among you as long as that shout is being directed toward God. Now you need to remember that. Did you hear what I just said? And so right here it's a good thing. But we're going to see here in just a moment that it was, it was not a good thing. Because you see God is supposed to be our king. And our only king. Isn't Jesus the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Alright. He's supposed to be the only one. Alright. But of course the 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 people um, got to a point where they wanted a king. And, uh, and, and actually, they rejected Samuel. They rejected Samuel and demanded a king. They rejected Samuel and demanded a king. Now, in 1 Samuel 8, go to 1 Samuel 8, if you would, and we're going to read various verses but 1 Samuel 8 marks a significant transition in Israel's history. Marks a significant transition in Israel's history. 
Notice verse 1. It came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now that really was not a good move that Samuel made. You need to realize these prophets, even the prophets of the Old Testament, uh, I mean, they were, they were not infallible. Now, when they were prophesying under the anointing of the Spirit of God, they were totally accurate. You understand that? But some things they did, you know, was, uh, uh, you know, they were not infallible. Would you agree with me that Elijah uh, should not have ran from Jezebel? Is that right? But he was human, the Bible says in the book of James, just as human as you or me. So, so he put his, uh, Samuel put his sons in as judges. And notice verse 3, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Now something else you need to realize, just because you have a godly parent doesn't mean you're going to have godly children. And on the other hand, you could have ungodly parents and they could produce godly children. And we'll see that in the lessons of the kings. Sometimes you'd have a good king and he'd produce a, a son that took the kingship that was evil. And vice versa, you know. It really comes down to a matter of the heart. And everybody has their own heart and they have to make their own decisions ultimately, you see. So he put his sons in and they were, they were, they were wicked men and they perverted justice. Verse 4, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you're old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. Now, why do you want to be like all the other nations? Why do you want to be like all the other sinful nations? See, God chose Israel as a nation that he would raise up and use them to bless the others. You understand that? And show his light among them so that those other nations that lay in darkness would see the light that God had on Israel and draw them through that light to God. But now you see, they want to be like the other nations. Make us a king to judge us like all the other nations. But the thing, verse 6, displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. Do you see that shout of a king is among them? Do you see that? The shout of, his, uh, of that king is among them, but it's not, an, it's not good like what, what we talked about back in the book of Numbers just a moment ago. Uh, that was a good shout because the shout of a king was directed towards God. But here now, the shout of a king is directed to a human being. They want a human being to be set up over them as king, their king, so, and, and not, not God now, but a human being. That, see, that, that's when a shout of a king is not a good thing among you, you see. And so, give us a king, verse 6, to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. That's, that's a sad commentary, isn't it? They have not rejected you, but they've rejected me. Now, I've had to learn a lesson from this verse right here over the years. That when I stand up and speak out what God once said, and people reject me for doing that, really, and this would apply to any minister that's speaking, that's truly speaking what God once said, and, and, and the people reject that minister, really they're not so much rejecting that minister as they're rejecting the Lord. 
And I've had to get to a point where I don't take it personal when people reject me when I'm speaking the word of the Lord because really they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting what God, what God is saying, you see. You, you need to realize that. I, I've had to realize that. For they've not rejected you. See, Samuel was kind of down. He was, he was kind of down. But God said, heed the voice of the people. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me that I should not reign over them. Then verse 8, according to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Verse 9, now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And if you read the next several verses, which I'm not going to do, but I'd recommend you do it, you know, later this afternoon or sometime this week. You'll see you'll see that God warned them through Samuel what a king would do to them if he was set up. Now, there were some good kings. All right. There were some good kings, but but there, there were a lot of evil ones. And God warned the people of the negative things that a king would do. But you know what? Look at, and you would think the people would say, oh, well, we don't want, we don't want a king. But notice what they say here. Verse 19. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us. You see, there's a shout of a king among the people. That we also may be like all the nations. See, they still want to be like all the nations, even even though they've been just been warned of the negative things that's going to happen. And, and that we want to be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Well, you see, God's supposed to fight our battles for us. See, but they want a king to do it for them. This is not. A good thing that's happening here. But God is going to let them have what they want. And you know the old saying, you know, be careful what you ask for or what you wish for. You just might get it, right? You may get what you want, but you may not want what you get. Remember that? But it's, it's interesting uh, Verse 21, and Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the, uh, uh, in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. Give them what they want. And right here, the people enter the permissive will of God. And you need to learn that. Here's a lesson you can learn about God. He has a perfect will for each of us. But there, but, but there's also and I'm convinced of this, you see it right here, a permissive will. And God will let you step out of his perfect will and, and, and permit you to go over into his permissive will. And he'll let you do it. He'll warn you, but he'll let you do it. And things will never go 100% as they should for you over in that permissive will. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah. Now, now, it's interesting God is so good. Isn't God good? He is so good that he will even, he'll allow you, he'll warn you that, hey, what you're about to do is not my perfect will. You're going to get into my permissive will. He'll warn you, but then he'll, he'll let you go into that permissive will. If that's what you want to do, 
He'll permit you to go into his permissive will. But he's so good that he'll bless you, even in that permissive will, he'll bless you as far as he can. When you're in the permissive will. But because you're in the permissive will of God, things are never going to go fully 100% right for you the way that they could if you stayed in his perfect will. And you need to realize that. And you'll, you'll see that here as we go over the next several weeks. And they enter his permissive will. And, 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 and I have this in my notes here. The Lord wanted me to say this. Uh, uh, I could have said it earlier, but I'll say it here. Uh, remember we talked about the shout of a king? Well, be careful of the shout that is among you. And when I say you, I'm talking to you here. I'm talking to anybody on social media. I'm talking to Christians at large. Because I've watched this over the years and there, there typically always is the shout of a king among the people, if you will. I've been doing this a long time. And, there, and this is something that you need to learn a lesson here and make, make a note here. There's always a shout of a king among God's people. And, and, and remember that shout of the king should be directed at who? It should be directed at... At God. And as long as that shout, now remember, there's always, I've, I've watched this for, for, for three decades now, there's always been a shout of a king among the people. Not just in this church, but in multiple other churches as I've observed. And as long as, as, as that shout of the, of the king is towards God, you're in good shape. But I tell you what, I've watched it where, uh, I, I've watched ministries, I've watched churches, that the church is not built on the word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's built on the personality of a pastor or an evangelist or a spiritual leader, if you will. And there can be a shout of that king among the people, but it's directed at the pastor. How many of you know that's not good? I've watched it over the years among congregations where there's a shout of a king among the people. And, uh, and it's, it's a local sports team. And you come to church and the sports team, the local sports team gets more attention and talked about more than the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know that's not a good shout among the people, is it? And I've also watched it where politicians can rise up and there can be a shout of a king among the people and they're shouting louder for the politician than they are Jesus. That's not a good shout to have among you. Always, you always have the shout of the king among you, all right? But the shout of the king must be directed at who? At, at God the Father, God the Son, the Lord Jesus, and God the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Yes. So see, you're already getting some lessons here, and I'm only on page two of my notes. Be sure you're always shouting louder for Jesus than you are a politician. Amen? Is that right? Okay. All right. So we move then to Saul, the first king of Israel. And we'll begin with him as, I mean, that's good to begin with him. He's the first one, so we'll start with him. You wouldn't want me to start with somebody in the middle of the list, would you? Saul, the first king of Israel. So do you see how we got to the kingship? Do you see that the kingship was never the perfect will of God for his people? 
but God's going to allow them to be in his, in his permissive will. You see that? Not his perfect will anymore, now his permissive will. And God will bless him as far, bless him as far as he can. But like I said, you get over in that permissive will that things won't ever go for you like they should, ultimately. So we move to Saul. And the first lesson you need to write about Saul. Now remember, these are not, this is not history now. These are lessons. If you want the history, you can read the assignment that I gave you earlier. What was it again? First, second Samuel, first, second Kings, first, second Chronicles. If you're taking notes, the first thing you need to learn from Saul is he started out humble. Humble, humble, humble. Now, now something else you're going to learn as we go over the next several weeks on this, and maybe a month or two, I don't know, we'll see. It's amazing how many of these kings started out good and wound up evil. Or started out right, and, and put it this way, let's say it this way. They started out right and they wound up wrong. That's maybe a better way to say it. Started out right, but ended up wrong. You know, it's not how you start. Now, you got to start all right, but it's not, it's not how you start. It's how you what? It's how you finish. And, and the thing that amazes me is how you can have somebody early in their life. And this is a lesson you ought to write down, and it's going to be reiterated and reviewed over and over again as we go through these kings. But it's amazing to me how you can start out serving the Lord and loving the Lord and as you get older, you wind up not. And, and one thing I've observed with these kings is, is I've observed that when they're, when they're young, the ones that start out good and wound up not, just my observation will bear it out as, as we go. But, you know, when you're young and starting out, you know you need God. Maybe the bank account isn't full of money. The cupboards may not have a lot of food in them. You have house payments to make, this, that, and the other. But as you get, as you get older and things go along and God blesses you and all of a sudden now you're up in years, you got money in the bank, you got food in the, in the pantry and all the bills are paid, the house is paid off. You know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden you, you may not feel like you need God like you did early on. And I think we've seen this with the, we'll see this with these kings as we go. Uh, but it's a caution to all of us. Because you see so many of them start out good. And things happen. And usually pride is at the center of it. And they, they, they start out humble, but then pride gets in and they, and remember, what does the Bible say? It says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due season. But then the Bible also said pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And a lot of these kings, you can see they got haughty, they got prideful, and it brought them low. Pride will bring a man low, you know, the Bible says. So he started out, Saul started out so humble, so humble. Just so humble. And, uh, but as it went along, and, and I'm not going to put the scripture up, but you can look it up in 1 Samuel 13 sometime. 
One of Saul's first mistakes, one of his first mistakes that he made was he was to go to, um, I believe it was Gilgal, and he was supposed to wait there for Samuel. And Samuel was delayed in his coming, and Saul assumed the role of a priest by making a sacrifice to God. Now, you would say, well, well, what, what's wrong with that? Well, it's a big deal. God called in his permissive, in his permissive, in his permissive sense now, because remember, Samuel anointed Saul. Actually, if you look at it, he poured oil on him, which was a symbol of the anointing. And Samuel poured the oil on Saul when he was humble. And the Bible says the Spirit of God came on him shortly thereafter. And, and Saul prophesied and all of that. And God changed his heart, changed him into a different person, all of that. Marvelous thing. But it was humility that brought that about. But then, but then as time went on, we see Saul... Uh, making a sacrifice. See, Saul was called to be a king in that God had chosen him to be a king in the permissive. Now we're over in the permissive will of God. You need to realize that. But in that permissive will, God chose Saul to be the first king and it was because of his humility. But you see, he was supposed to be a king, not a priest. And, and a lesson you need to learn is, is, is you see, when, when Saul, he, 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 he wasn't totally content being the king, he also wanted to operate here as a priest. And you'll see that, we'll see that again, I know at least with one other king, Uzziah, we'll see that and maybe some others as we go. But, but, but the same thing was true with Uzziah. See, what lesson do we learn? We need to find out what it is God calls us to do and, 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 and stay in that lane. Stay right in that lane. Because I tell you what, if you get out of that lane, we'll see it with Uzziah later on down the road. You get out of that lane, there's leprosy waiting for you outside your lane. Because that's what happened to Uzziah. He got out of his lane and God warned him and warned him and warned him. But there's leprosy outside your lane. Stay in your lane. Find out what it is he's called you to do. And stay right in the middle of it. But you see, Saul didn't do that. He and something else you see with Saul, and a lesson we can learn, is, is he was very uh, presumptive. He, he, he'd take liberties. He would assume it's okay to do such and such. You need to be watchful uh, with that as it pertains to your walk with the Lord. Don't ever presume or assume it's okay to do anything. Don't move unless you know God's directing you to do something. And then, uh, but, but stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Stay right in your lane. And I've watched this over the many years. I, I, I've watched it with ministers. I've watched it with, I watch it with pastors, you know. And, and so, somewhere along the road, they think they're supposed to be a prophet. And they try to step out of their pastorate and over into prophet's ministry. And it just causes a bunch of turmoil and confusion, you know. 
And, and it could work the other way. You could see a, you could see a prophet who wants to be a, a pastor and so forth. And it just causes turmoil, you know. I'm thinking about one man back years ago, I guess in the 50s, you know. And uh, he, he, he was called to be a prophet. And he was a preacher. But, but it got to a point where he, he wanted to teach. He wanted to be a teacher. And, and, and it was out of his lane. And long, long story short on that, it was William Branham. It cost him his life. You understand? So find out what it is God's called you to do and stay right in the middle of it and don't move into another lane and God, unless God specifically directs you to do so. But you see, that was one of Saul's uh, mistakes. One of the first mistakes that he made is he assumed the role of a priest and, and he was a king. And there's something about us, ladies and gentlemen, something about the, the, the fallen human nature that we always want to be things we're not. We always want to be something we're not. I preached a message one time, you know, I, 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 I titled it, Be Content with, with, with Who You're Not. And, and most people, they're just not, they're never content. They always want to be something that they're not. I've had to deal with this in my life, wanting to be something that I'm not. We just need to find out what it is God wants us to do and stay in the middle of it. Can you say amen? amen. Anyway... After defeating Moab, Ammon, and Edom, Saul was told by Samuel to go to war against the Amalekites. The Amalekites. And to completely wipe them out, including their livestock. Completely wipe them out. Now, this is one of the biggest things in Saul's, um, in his, in his, in his life, his biggest downfall right here with the Amalekites. Now they were evil. They were evil. They were an evil people, and 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 that's why God wanted them wiped out. And and much we could say, but just God's mo. He gives people time to repent and all of that, and He's long suffering, and He doesn't just He didn't just cause this overnight. This was after much much time had passed. But the Bible says it came time where God was going to execute judgment upon them for what they had done, the evil they had done, and he wanted them wiped out. He wanted them wiped out completely, the Amalekites, including all their livestock. He wanted them wiped out. And you know if God wants them wiped out, he's got good reason for wiping them out. You understand that? And, uh, and, and but but... This, I tell you what, this was a downfall for Saul right here. Because he was given an instruction and he didn't carry it out to the full. You know when, and we'll, we're, we're going to read it, when God tells us to do something, we need to obey him completely. Not just half, not just three-fourths, not just 90%. But look here. 1 Samuel 15, verse 7. 1 Samuel 15, verse 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites. Well, he's, he's moving in the right direction. But verse 8, he also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. Now right there we say, uh-oh, because now he's not fully obeying God. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Well, okay, he did that, but is he completely obeying God by leaving Agag live? No. But Saul and the people spared Agag 
And the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. I'm telling you what, this is bad, this is bad, <laughs> this is bad stuff right here. Well, what's wrong with that? They just, you know, they did most of what God said. No. It was evil in the sight of God. We're supposed to obey Him fully. Not just half-heartedly, not just 80%, 90%, all. You understand that? But did, 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 is Saul obeying him here? No. He let these, these good livestock live. Uh, look at verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel arose early in the morning to meet Saul, then Samuel went to Saul and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Now we've got another problem, don't we? I mean, that's a problem, isn't it? It's not true. He didn't perform it, but he's, he's saying he did. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? See, he heard these animals making their, their, their noises. And that was proof that Saul didn't carry out what God wanted done. And he said... Now notice this, Saul said, verse 15, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen. Now he's saying that the people did it, or his soldiers. And notice, to sacrifice to the Lord your God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now see, Saul's taking some liberties. You don't want to take liberties with what God's told you to do. You do exactly what he tells you to do. No more, no less. I learned this early on. I learned this when uh, I, I, uh, I was asked to do the announcements at, at the church that I was at years ago as a young boy. I say young boy, 20 years old. And, uh, and, and, and so I was to do the, the openings and the closings. You know, I'd, I'd open up the service and close the service. And, uh, and, so, and I didn't know anything, but sometimes, you know, when I'd close the service... I was supposed to go up there and, 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 and close the service, make an altar call and close the service. But sometimes I, I got up there and I felt like I needed to maybe share a script. I felt like, see, I felt like. It wasn't the Lord directing me. My direction was from the spiritual authority to close the service, make an altar call and close. But I'd get up there and sometimes I, I might comment a little on the pastor's sermon. or Not in a bad way, but just comment. Or I would, or I would, would share a scripture. And, the, and they got me right away and, and the pastor's wife pulled me aside and she was right. And she said, look, this is your assignment. You do no more, you do no less. And I say amen to that. I needed correction on that. See? And so, but you see, God gave Saul a commandment and, and, and he's doing less than what God told him to do. But he's saying, well, but we're going to sacrifice. We, we let these, 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 these animals live because we're going to sacrifice them to the Lord. See, he's, he's presuming that that's okay. Well, after all, now, now what did God say to do to the livestock? He said to what? Destroy all of them, right? The people and, 
And I mean, the livestock too. But what is Saul saying? Well, we let the good ones live, but, but, but it's okay. We don't really need to obey God completely because we're, we're, after all, we're going to sacrifice these to the Lord. So ultimately, you know, but that's not what God said. Then verse 16, then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. And I'll tell you what the Lord said last night. And, 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 and said to him, speak on. So verse 17, so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? See, he was humble at one point, but now can you see pride has slipped in? Now the Lord sent you on a mission, verse 18, and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? Because see, he didn't wipe them all out. So the way God saw it was evil what Saul was doing because he didn't completely do what God said. And Saul, Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. See, but he didn't. He didn't do all of what God said. But the people took the plunder, sheep and oxen, and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. See, you can, you can kind of see how he's laying it off on the people. But verse 22, so Samuel said, has the Lord as, now notice, Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, now watch this, if you're taking notes, this is a big one in scripture. To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. See, God would rather have your obedience, complete obedience, than your offering. Complete obedience to God is far more attractive than your offering or any sacrifice you could make to Him. You understand that? Obedience is better than sacrifice. And to heed than the fat of rams. That will, that will, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for that complete, total obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice. Did you hear me? He wants that obedience. Any sacrifice you could make for God is not going to impress Him near, near as much as your just, your, your, your outright obedience. And you see what Saul was doing here. He, he presumed it was okay. All right, well, it's all right. Well, we don't have to kill all these. We're going we're gonna to sacrifice them to the Lord. Well, that sacrifice, yeah, yeah, well, it's good. It's going to be sacrificed to the Lord. But it's not good because he didn't obey God because, see, obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen. And then notice verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Wow. Now think about that. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Now you think about that sometime. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So was Saul rebellious? 
And it says the sin of witchcraft, isn't it? And, and guess what? We'll see this next week. Guess what? What was the last sin that Saul committed before he died? It was going to the witch of Endor. He committed witchcraft ultimately, didn't he? Did you ever think about that? Think about that. He was rebellious. See, he went from being humble, 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 humble to rebellious and stubborn. And rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. This is a big thing in Saul's life. Then Saul said to Samuel, he said, I have sinned. Now you think he's repenting here, but just, I'm going to close here in just a couple of minutes. But hang on this. Now watch this. He said, I have sinned. Now you think he's repenting, but you got to read on. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, something else. Any, any leader at all, any spiritual leader at all that may be listening here, here in this sanctuary on social media, this is a lesson you must learn. If, if God has put you in any sort of authority, and, and particularly in the pastorate or, or any ministry that God's called you to, but I, I think particularly the, the pastorate, and I've had to learn this. Notice what Saul said. He said, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. See, as a minister of the gospel, as a pastor, I have to fear God more than I fear you. And if I'm afraid of you, then I can't possibly stand up and deliver the word of the Lord to you the way it's supposed to be delivered. Do you know there's a lot of pastors in the land that cannot stand in their pulpits and say, thus saith the Lord and preach the word of God because of the elders and the deacons or the elders and the deacons' wives? Did you know that? And they're afraid of the elders, they're afraid of the deacons, they're afraid of them. Because if the pastor doesn't jump through their hoops and be their puppet, he's going to get fired. Did you know that? Sad, isn't it? And there's a lot of preachers. And I've had to deal with this too. Over, over all these years, not so much in the last, in the last many years, but way back yonder, uh, you know, it's, you get up and you start saying what God once said and you, you see people getting angry and don't like it. But if you're really going to be a man of God, you can't fear the people. You can't fear the looks on their faces. You can't fear any of that. You have to just go right on with what God's saying. But notice here, he feared the people and obeyed their voice. And he's still kind of laying it off on the people, isn't he? But he's ultimately responsible. And then, now watch this. Now, therefore, pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. Now, it looks like he's repenting, but watch. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. Well, yeah, but he kept most of it. No. What does the Bible say? It says in the book of James, if we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. This is serious stuff here. It's not okay. It wasn't okay earlier for him to... Offer that sacrifice as a priest. It's not okay. This right here, this is not okay. And the Lord has, well, watch this. You've rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Wow, think about that. And as Samuel turned around to go away, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And does anybody know who that is? That's David. 
And we'll get into him later as we go. Now, I will say that Saul was allowed to remain king for the rest of his life. But the spirit of the Lord departed from him. We'll say more about that as we go. Um, and he was troubled by an evil spirit that brought bouts of madness. And we'll get into that a little bit as we go. But but here's the thing. Look, look at verse 30. Then he said, now notice what he says here to Samuel. He says, I have sinned. Now we think he's repenting. But he says, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel. Can you see right here that he's really not repenting? He's regretting maybe, but he's not truly repenting. What is he more interested in? It's not, it's not I've sinned like David. When, 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 remember when Nathan came to David and called out his sin with Bathsheba? Remember that? And he said, Lord, against you and only you have I sinned. Remember that? And he repented. But what, what is Saul doing here? He's, he's telling Samuel, he said, well, I've sinned. He's telling Samuel, I've sinned, but yet honor me now. I still want to look good before the elders of the people and before Israel. Do you see that? Oh, I've sinned, but honor me now. How, there, when you sin, there is no honor. He sinned, but he's saying Samuel, to Samuel, I've sinned, but, but, but honor me in the midst of this and make me look good in front of the elders. There's no repentance there. It's just regret. It's the same kind of repentance that Judas had. It wasn't repentance. It was regret. And this cost Saul. And as a result of this, his kingdom was torn away from him and his life was miserable, the rest of it. And he died a terrible death. And, uh, and, and we'll talk about that more next week. I'm going to unhook right now because I think I've given you enough. And, uh, and let's just stop right here and pick up next week. What do you say? Did you get anything out of this today? All right, well, hey, if you're watching on social media and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So call on his name. Call on the name of Jesus. Receive him. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And God will make your life worth living in the meantime. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.